Hi, I'm Helleth Kendrick. And I'm Chris Keane. And this is the Recruit for Spouses podcast. Welcome to episode 14 of the Recruit for Spouses podcast. Now today we're talking to Steve Leach. Steve is a global talent acquisition manager for AMS. And AMS are one of our biggest clients and home to the Liquid Workforce. The Liquid Workforce is growing exponentially, so it's really good timing that we're talking to Steve. Now, let's find out a little bit more about how he started his career. I had a first career in technology, having studied to become a systems analyst and and then secured a position as a systems analyst. Three years into that role, realized it didn't quite suit me. So decided to make a move into a more sales-oriented profession and and fell into recruitment by complete accident, initially in a a more traditional IT recruitment agency. But through a, a meeting sort of some four years later, with a lady called Rosaline Blair, who'd founded AMS, joined AMS in fairly early stages. I think 1999, there were around 20 of us and we had one client and I've been here ever since. That's a long time to be in one company. So tell us a little bit around what AMS is and what AMS does now. We describe ourselves as a global workforce solutions provider, which in simple terms, we help organizations attract, hire, retain and develop talented individuals into their organizations through a range of of outsourcing, consulting and reskilling propositions. So we work across a broad range of sectors. We've grown into a global business of some 5,000 talented folk serving customers across 92 countries worldwide. So really, really significant reach and a a long way away from the the 20 person team that I joined in, in 99. So in 1999, the vision for the business, uh, what was it then? It was probably similar now to the vision that we had back then. It was about really professionalizing the recruitment industry and really helping organizations do all the things I said at the start, attract, retain, develop talented people into their businesses, but really transferring the ability to do that into the client organizations themselves. So our outsourcing business effectively works labeled as our clients and and even the hiring communities within those organizations don't necessarily understand it isn't their own teams doing the recruitment nor should they need to because our people operate exactly as they would if they were employed by that business directly we just have a, a sort of central focus on really driving innovation into the recruitment world that we're able to then leverage across all of our clients worldwide so Rosalie Blair, the founder, delve a little bit more into sort of her background as well. So she founded AMS. Incredible what she's achieved and the team achieved back in the day, because you really did turn recruitment on its head. And to the layman term, I mean, you talk about outsourcing, but it's you're not just a recruiter. You're going in and you're actually servicing the whole recruitment piece for clients, such as mm-hmm. name drop some of your clients, because you've got hundreds of clients, haven't you, across the board now? Yeah, we do. We do. And we're fortunate that we've got some really significant, recognizable clients, organizations like Barclays, like Rolls-Royce, HSBC, Santander, and actually the UK government. We manage their contingent workforce through a a framework that we call public sector resources. So around 20,000 contingent workers that are supporting various elements of the UK government are kind of managed through our team today. So it's an interesting landscape. And with Rosaline Blair, how did she sort of have that vision back in the days when you started? How did she sort of approach those companies and actually win that business? What was her sell effectively to those businesses? So the first customer that we secured probably in 96 
was a customer where we managed their contingent workforce, a technology business that we don't work with anymore. So ICL at the time became Fujitsu. And the Alexander Mann Group was a collection of recruitment businesses. Rosaline was a business development manager in one of those businesses, and she was having a conversation with the chief HR officer, and she'd identified that at the time, the IT recruitment agency world was obviously doing really well in that technology space, but she identified a way to to really deliver better service to the client, to the workers, by taking control of more of the process on behalf of the client. And she found a client in Fujitsu that was prepared to back that idea. And the business was really born out of that relationship. So over the uh, first few years, the growth was relatively steady. We kind of moved from managing contingent workforces into helping organizations hire permanent individuals as well. And over time, so the outsourcing part of the business really took over the rest of the business. And either the divisions of the wider Alexander Mann Group became part of the solutions enterprise, or we sold them along that journey if they weren't core to that kind of philosophy. So I think by the time we got to about 2007-ish, the primary focus was on providing outsourcing solutions and consulting interventions to organizations to really empower their own brands in the recruitment marketplace. And you really have changed that landscape quite significantly now and leading the way in sort of recruiting throughout many different sectors and just touch on lightly across the sectors that you're actually working with now. We're relatively broad, Helen, and I think within sectors, the clients that we work with, typically we work across all of their requirements, whether it be administrative staff or executive staff. But the focuses that we have are across pharmaceutical life sciences, investment banking, retail banking and financial services, technology and digital defense engineering and energy, which I think we're rebranding. Well, we've rebranded that into industrials and energy. The logic behind that was twofold, actually. Firstly, to make sure that our folk who are supporting those clients understand the pressures, the drivers, the challenges that each of those sectors face. We support them in developing deep sector expertise. But also one of the things that our clients expect of us is an agile, flexible solution. So if we have clients in the same economic grouping that are all moving to the same timetable, it makes it really hard for us to flex and scale behind the scenes. So by sort of looking across a broad sector of commercial industry, we were able to balance maybe a downturn in investment banking. We typically see that sector move first with a, an uptick in tech hiring, for instance. We're able to then flex across our own infrastructure to make sure that we're meeting our clients' demands for teams to effectively do their recruitment or manage their contingent workforces or provide them with some other consulting intervention. And how many people do you employ across AMS now throughout the world? At the moment, changing daily, but in the order of 5,000 now. Let's talk about the liquid workforce, because you just signed the military covenant and we met at Clarity. It was a Deloitte event. We were introduced by lovely Liz from the Deloitte team. And we had been, as a very small business, a recruit spouse has been trying for many years to try and get companies like BAE Systems and Deloitte Mm -hmm. to work with us. Every time we came up against the teams at AMS, the big sort of the big boys, and we met, didn't we? And tell us about, from your opinion, really, how how you and I met and and what happened then and where we are today. Yeah, I think I remember being rather bullish, actually, Hal. I think you were sharing with me the number of folks that you were helping. And I was thinking, well, you know, we probably go through something in the order of a quarter of a million 
recruitment transactions a year. So if we can't dramatically improve that throughput, we should be shot. And actually, I quite quickly learned the error of my ways because we came up against all sorts of challenges that I know you you knew only, only too well around the location of some of the folk that are in the military spousal community, the flexibility they need in terms of their personal commitments, the fact that they couldn't commit to any real longevity of a particular location because they had to follow their partners. That was the compromise they met. But underneath all of that was a really compelling story, actually, that you shared with me about some of the individuals that were in that community and clearly a desire to sort of have a fulfilling role and contribute. And you share with me some sad stories, actually, of folk who were purposely leaving details out of their background because the type of roles they were able to apply for were in local grocery stores or or supermarkets stacking shelves, which they were hugely overqualified for on the face of it, but that was the only work available to them in their their locality. We started a journey, didn't we, where I probably banged my head against the same wall that you'd banged your head against for quite a number of months, trying to force a round peg into a square hole with a number of our clients and getting them to sort of support commitment to hire a number of folk from the military family and we came up with the idea of a, a charter. But ultimately, I think it was, um, I had a light bulb moment, actually, because we put in place a scheme with students at Manchester University to put them through a rapid training course and use them in our business. And I think you and I were having a coffee somewhere in Leeds, actually, when it dawned on me that we could use exactly the same philosophy with this community. And mm. as our business has grown, our culture generally is relatively fragmented. And so there was less of a need for people to be in any particular location. So that gave rise to us putting, I think, the first cohort was five people through a week-long training program. They came and stayed in, in Bracknell for the week, if I remember rightly, and we put them through a training program to become effectively resource specialists or training recruiters in our world. And then we we started to assign them to teams across our business supporting our clients. And I think some great stories of how they've impacted and, and the kind of core skills, I think, that, that people have in that sort of military world, the resilience, the tenacity, the detail have really paid dividends. And I think we've got some great stories of, of individuals who've literally ended up traveling all over the world whilst mm. still doing the job that we had deployed them to do. So I think it's fantastic that it gives an ability to really make a difference to that community. But actually, it's been a really valuable source of talent to us as an organization and certainly something that as we recover from the impacts of the pandemic over the last 12 months that I intend for us to put a lot more effort into going forwards and and really use that to help our organization be able to respond and and leverage agility and flexibility and and reacting to our customers needs in, in short order with really high quality talented individuals. And it hasn't been easy. I know you kind of skipped through that quite quickly. I mean, it took us about four to five years, didn't it? And actually, you know, to be perfectly honest, it would have been actually a lot easier for you to say, oh, do you know what? This is too much hard work because it was really difficult. We kept coming up against closed doors internally. You did actually have much bigger fish to fry. And here I was banging a tiny little drum and you kept answering the phone and responding to my emails. And, and I have met hundreds of people over the years and trying to bang my drum and they've just given up because I thought this is too hard. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. And to give a little bit of context around those who don't know what the liquid workforce is for a spouse is that 75% of them haven't worked for over five years. They don't need any recruitment experience. And, and again, all mm-hmm. these little challenges that we had within that 
And then once they were trained, the challenge was then to get them into accounts, wasn't it? Because we had to then mm. convince account managers, but then you still, you kept pushing from your end, the importance of why, you know, we need to do this. And it's really interesting. I get frustrated with us because I expect our teams work in talent acquisition day in, day out. So I expect them to be really lateral of thought in terms of how we engage talent. But it is a constant battle to constantly remind people about this community of folk that we've we've already invested in. We've trained them. We use them flexibly. And I think that's really important because these folk are remote and they are flexible. We've got to keep reminding our managers that they're there, they're available. One day it will become institutional and it will just be one of the talent pools that we exercise. But as you say, we've been doing this now for the best part of four or five years and it still needs that constant reminder. I'm constantly talking to our head of talent acquisition to understand where we're up to, how many of the individuals we've got deployed across the business, how many available to us, and how do we drive that up? How do we remind our managers that they're there and available? And it is a little bit different because they need to be sort of managed remotely. The work needs to be deployed remotely. And some of the customers that we work with, that could cause issues because we've got fairly strict obligations around protecting their data if they're in the banking world or in the defense world. But for me, it's a no brainer, you know, it's an untapped talent community. I think we've had some real success stories with some of the individuals that have been working with us over the course of the last years. And so it's worth the frustration. It's worth keep asking the question. Yeah. And I think we talk a lot about the skills, the adaptability, the resilience, and we talk about resilience a lot on this podcast, but the ability to get a job done and to learn. I think the spouses that we onboard onto the programme are just so keen and they just feel that they're really in it. They're not just doing an admin job. They're doing something that they really Mm -hmm. enjoy. We've had so many stories. We've had spouses now who are buying homes because they can work flexibly, that they've moved three or four times whilst being attached to the military liquid workforce. Um, We've got a great story, haven't we, with Rusilla. We love talking about that because Rusilla's our Fijian, isn't she, that we, well, I think you you can talk about Rusilla as well because she's just been such a great advocate for the programme. It was Rusilla I was thinking of actually when I talked about the sort of global wanderer, you know, so we, we know that she spent time in Fiji actually supporting one of our clients in the UK collaborating with our kind of operations team in in Krakow and whether she was in Fiji or whether she was in in the UK it sort of made no difference she was able to continue to do the job really really well so she's worked out really well. Let's sort of talk about the vision of the liquid workforce and where you see it going in the next sort of few Mm. years because we'd love to get a through fare of spouses that are onboarding and training and then going into other work because for us, it's such a good platform for them to, as I said earlier, to spread their wings, isn't it? What's the vision for you and military spouses and everything within AMS? We've proved the concept now within our organisation that this philosophy works. It's not just a folly. You know, the commitment to give people the training pays dividends in terms of them then being able to support flexible roles in our organisation across various teams. They don't all want to work full time. So being able to balance, you know, the corporate workload across a range of different engagement models with our resources, whether they be permanent employees, contractors, or kind of the community that we're talking about now is really important to us to have that sort of flexibility in our own organizational resources. I'd love to see us have hundreds of this type of community of worker engaged across our business at various points through the course of the next 12, 24 months might take a little while to get there, but 
it's a model that's here to stay and, and we'll be refining and evolving the model but certainly investing in it and trying to maximize the number of opportunities that we're able to give to people in this community as far as a, if you've got a spouse listening to this right now what kind of person do you look for to work in AMS if they're kind of thinking about it what would you say they should go for it oh gosh I think for me, a lot of it is about the character. I think people that do well in the recruitment world are, are naturally inquisitive. They're people-oriented, good listeners. That's important in terms of understanding the brief from the clients and then being able to match that to the right candidate. You know, there's all sorts of tools that we put in place to help people select a short list of candidates, but then ultimately our clients' hiring communities rely on our recruiters to recommend folk that they should be hiring. So I think that ability to listen properly and hear what someone's saying is important. A degree of resilience. You do take a lot of knockbacks in the role and you could think you found some of the best candidates for a role and the hiring manager just doesn't get on with them because it's people that we're dealing with all day long and you've got to kind of pick yourself up, dust yourself off and give the hard feedback to the candidates and push on and do it all over again. You know, the flip side is that it can be really rewarding I think when you boil it down and understand that what we're actually doing is changing people's lives, I try and make sure that our people never forget that. It's really fascinating what you and Heleth have been talking about and just how big AMS is. And I know that you've been with AMS for many, many years, as you said. So I'm just curious, on a personal level, what's it been like for you seeing AMS just grow into this massive company? It's a really good question, Chris, and it's probably something that I will answer really badly. I kind of often describe myself as the frog in boiling water. I think over the course of the last 20, 21 years, I've been gently boiled and still the culture of the business is still the same. We're still all about our people. I think I've just held on to the entrepreneurial kind of agile people focused aspects of what it is that we get paid for on behalf of our clients. And you know, it's been a really rewarding journey in terms of the opportunities that we've been able to give people to build careers, but actually also to build lives. Quite a number of our folk, as we started to grow out of the UK in the early 2000s, have followed opportunities to relocate to different countries, you know, literally all over the world and take families with them, build families in North America, in Australia, in Singapore. And, and that's really rewarding to see that we've been able to do that. And I think if you were talking to Rosalind, she would say that that's one of her proudest things to kind of create that legacy where we've created something that's sustainable, that does good for our clients, does good for our shareholders and provides an opportunity for the people that are in the business to really build challenging, diverse careers across a global landscape. And as you were saying, you've got thousands of people on your books and you've helped so many people find these brilliant careers. Do you ever hear back off these people? You know, people saying, look, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I am today. So thanks for helping me out. Do you ever get that sort of feedback? Oh, often. It's interesting because quite often when we're talking to candidates, we're talking to them on behalf of our customers. So we're not AMS to them. But quite often the recruiters get feedback. We work with a number of contingent workers repeatedly. They see a slightly more transparent lens of, of AMS because of the nature of that world. But also we work with individuals and I can plot quite a number of our relationships with different organizations or as a result of individuals moving between those organizations whom 
we work with in one organization and they they move three or four years later and give us an opportunity to partner with them in their in their new organization there's quite a, a significant alumni of people that would fall into that category both people that have been clients and people that actually work for ams who make a decision to to maybe become a head of resourcing for a customer organization and we partner with them in a number of organizations it feels on occasion quite a small world because we sort of constantly bump into the same people either in customer world or within our own business i think that's something that i'd really like to reiterate as well is the small world of the recruitment world thanks to you steve and i will have to thank you publicly because i know i've thanked you a lot personally but you really have transformed the way that military spouses live and work because of the liquid workforce and I think by having your managers understand and really truly get what we're about has totally transformed the way that people are recruiting spouses and we hear of thousands of people that have got opportunities now because what you've done is create awareness and actually drive a new way of working really for spouses and I think that's down to you it's people like you that have really transformed and actually as I said earlier it would have been so much easier for you in your role to actually step back and go no do you know what this is too hard because so many have but you've persevered and thank you for doing that because it's made a huge difference. Thank you for saying that it's been an absolute pleasure I think the thing that always struck me when you and I first met and started talking Helleth was there was so much focus on the military but not on their families and it felt like that side of the equation got no limelight, no support, no funding, no opportunity. And we've been able to, in a, in a small way, give some of that. And aside from it feeling like the right thing to do, it's been a really valuable thing for us as a business. And great that it's meant that we've been able to give a little bit back to that community. And hopefully the serving military partners are, are more stable and and happier in their roles as a result of their partners and spouses being supported and, and happy in, in their professional lives. So hopefully it's a win-win all around. It is indeed. And again, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been really lovely to talk to you and for your time as well, because I know you're a very busy man. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Thanks both. 